0: Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com.
2: Hi, I'm Jay. I'm editor of TheEaglesBeak.com, a Palace fan site by fans for fans You can catch us on most of social media uh, social media areas, but uh, we're mostly active on Twitter, so you can catch us there uh, at the EaglesBeak.
1: Hi, I'm Dan from West Bromwich Albion fan site baggiesfacts.com. You can follow us on Twitter at baggiesfacts or you can check us out on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash baggiesfacts.
3: Hi, I'm Scott. I run Swanseaway.co.uk. It's an independent site about the Swans. Check that out. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at theswanseaway.
0: Great. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. We'll start off with Jay and Crystal Palace.
2: Yeah, well, this week we had uh, the late game on on TV against Manchester United. We welcomed them into town. Um, Always a bit of fun uh, before the game, but... uh, yeah, United's a, a, a team that we very rarely do or, or get anything out of, and it's it, it's one of those games that I yesterday before the game I really wanted us to beat them, I really did. I I don't hold a grudge against them particularly, but I it's just one of those teams that you you know we never never get anything out of um, at all. So um, going into the game, I was you know, and I must admit the atmosphere was pretty good at Palace as usual. Um, you know, the, the crowd were doing their their thing. Um, interesting starts of the game in that um, Pardew brought back Mila Yednak into the middle, which was mainly to combat um, Marion Ferre- Fellaini in the middle, really, and those two sort of went at it <laughs> the whole game, pretty much. It's quite an interesting battle to see because uh, Fellaini still got a you know some height over Yednak, but um, you know Jednak played well, actually, I thought, and, uh, and stood up to him you know, most of the time. Um, across the rest of the team, we had we we call it McJedley; it's a nickname for our midfield three, which is. Um, <laughs> Joe Ledley, um, James McArthur and Miley Ednecker. We haven't seen them play together for a while. And they have been quite successful in the times that they have played together. Although it does hamper the team a little bit, you know, attacking-wise. But yesterday was perhaps the ideal game to bring it back. You know, United at home, they're going to attack us. And they did have the majority of the possession early on. Uh, but, But I thought we made a good fist of it. We were just coming back into the game and we can see it—a penalty. Uh, to me, it didn't look so much a penalty from, uh, obviously, in the stands and shouting at the referee, and you know, real time. But seeing it on TV, I can see why he's given it. But my 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 problem with the referee is that he he, he looked away and he, he looked as though he wasn't going to give the penalty until the United players um, claimed for it, um, and that happened throughout the game. Um, you had on more than one occasion, you had United players stopping. Um, saying that it had been fouled, and the referees called it back. I-, I can count about three or four times that happened yesterday, and it, it just wound me up. Something incredible. Similar thing happening against Chelsea last week. And I'm not going to go big club, little club problem, but I just find that sometimes these referees do pander to the players, in- instead of just saying play on, go, you know, I'm in charge of this game, you know, get on with the game sort of thing. But uh, he he seemed to pander a little bit. But you know, we 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 worked ourselves back into the game. I don't think we were, um, you know value for being a goal down you know Knights certainly didn't really have much chances in the first half but pardew made his uh substitution at halftime he took off joe ledley it wasn't he didn't play that badly in the first half but i think it was more tactical uh brought on jason Punchin and jason Punchin pretty much changed the game for us in a way uh i know we're still lost that sounds a bit of a silly comment but he came on and he gave us possession. He he holds the ball well. He runs with it. He plays with the ball close to his feet. And he was taking it round players and you know, being a lot more confident with it than any of the players were in the first half. I, I would say that Zaha actually played well in the first half against his old side. He uh, he carried on his good form from the previous week against Chelsea. And he, he took that into this game, but he failed a little bit in the second half. But Jason Puncher was instrumental for us. And once again, he scored a great free kick against a, a Manchester team. Um, and that's fully deserved I thought you know we, we we fought back into the game and, and after that free kick um, you know we had a 10 minute spell where we really had United on the rack um, we had a few chances um, and there was a big uh, penalty call for a foul on punching which wasn't given. Um, and I kind of, you know, I go back to my comments earlier that if you give him one one end, you've got to give one the other end. Um, definite, feel a little pen that was, Jay. yeah, it really uh, was. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I haven't seen it all because I was at, you know, you know what it's like when you're at the game, guys. You know, you, you see it from your seat, and yeah, sometimes you know it's immediate reaction and think, no, that's not, you know. But until you see it on TV, I haven't really seen too much since I got back. But. Um, we we it almost to, felt like
0: it was it was a foul, but then he overacted it, and then he took it away. It it, it was weird, yeah, but it should have been a yeah.
2: penalty. But straight after that, they did exactly the same. Uh, I think it was Herrera uh, came in, blocked the ball with his shoulder, which was the same thing Dan done, and got a penalty uh, given against him, uh, and the referee waved it away. I don't see how the two were any different. It was exactly the same position, uh, exactly the same part of the arm. Um But the referee, there was three or four instances. I think we had another couple of claims for a penalty. But I have to say, I nominated De Gea for my. Goalkeeper of the season, and he was outstanding yesterday. I think he made two saves from Murray. There's one that you can probably see on Twitter uh, through Vine, which it's literally fingertips um, on the goal line, um, and Murray just toe pokes it, and it's you know in the slow motion you can see it, you know, just fingertip fingertips it away, which you know kind of backs up my theory that he's the best goalkeeper in the Premier League. You know, <laughs> hint hint. Um, but mm. for me, I don't think you know it, it, the, the game itself didn't run away from us, you know. The good thing for us is we're competing. That was our fourth defeat in a row after the Fellaini goal. But again, I still think in the build-up to the goal, Falcow pushed Delaney into Spironi and took both those two players out. You know, it didn't affect Fellaini because the ball was lumped up to him, far post, and he headed it in. But I still think that had an impact on, uh, you know, a foul's a foul, isn't it? To me, um, I just think foul count, that should have been pulled back as well. I'm not, I'm not, not trying to sound bitter because I think we had a lot of positives from the game, I and mean, it's a fourth defeat in a row. And I mentioned uh, on Twitter earlier that. Any other time of uh, any other season, four defeats in a row at this time of the season would be disastrous. But because we've done our hard work already and we've got to a point where we didn't want to get to the last four games needing points, um, I think it worked out that we were mathematically safe yesterday with the way the results went. Um, But to be fair, I wasn't too worried because of the teams playing each other below us. So, um, in short, I think it's. you know, it's, it's another game. It's for, it's, you know, it's another defeat. But I think we take a lot from it. Um, you know, it's a defeat to one of the top four. Um, and as I've said, and you guys have heard me say before, that. You know we're playing these these top four or five sides, but I never expect to get too much out of them. It's the teams you know below them that we need to get points from, and you know we have picked up points from some of the big boys this year, um, and we've we've competed against the uh, the big teams. We haven't uh, been outplayed at all, um, and I think you know there's a lot of things to take from the game yesterday. Two games to go. Hopefully we can get something from you know either of the two games left, um, just so as we don't go into summer on a bit of a damp squib because it's been a great season for us
0: yeah um we we talked about this a while ago but I saw a lot of people commenting on it yesterday about Bellassi's availability are or you, are you thinking you're gonna to try to hold on to him or turn a profit
2: there on a player that's obviously had a had a very good season yeah i I have the feeling that um you know if 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 somebody comes in and pays some money uh, we we may well let him go um lass is a frustrating player at times. You know, he can he can really turn it on, but other days he can. A bit like yesterday, his final ball uh, wasn't. You know, wasn't really there. He needs to learn to to look up and, and make that final ball at the right time. Um, I don't know. I'd, I'd hate to see him go because he's such an exciting player for us. Um, and I think he can probably look at what happens to Zaha at United. Really. Um, I know It might be a different kettle of fish if he went Because I think he's a little bit more level-headed Than perhaps Zaha is um, You know, Belasis has come through the lower leagues um, You know, he's played out in Malta for a season You know, he's just a footballer He just wants to play football um, And he's got to a point in his career That you couldn't begrudge him if he wanted to go to a bigger club I certainly wouldn't um, But I'd like to see him carry on doing what he does for Palace You know, it's one of those big fish and little pond scenarios, isn't it? Um, but I certainly, I mean, if, if the money's right and the money came in, I mean, end of the day, you know, some people say we shouldn't be a selling club. But I think the fact will always remain that if one of the top four or five sides come in for a player uh, with an amount of money like they did for Zaha, then you know, sometimes I think it's hard to turn down. And you can
0: just buy him back for like a third of it
2: later? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you say that. I mean, Zaha is, in is, you know, the last, the last few weeks, he's actually started to look like the player he was when we sold him. So you know, while there's been a lot of work behind the scenes to uh, both you know to help him mentally get back into playing for Palace and, and and playing football, you know, playing football that he enjoys. I think that's the biggest thing. You know, a year at United. Really did hurt him, um, and 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 seeing him play for us a few times, you know, allowing him to express himself in you know in our first team, it, it, it's great to see both us playing with both Zaha and Balassi, two wide players. You wouldn't expect a team, perhaps in our position, to be playing two wide players, but I think they uh, play off each other really well. One of them, you know, does a good run, and the other one wants to do the same thing um, straight afterwards. So it's kind of a bit of competition in games, and they they freely admitted, uh, you know, admitted the same as well. So it's it's good to see, and I, I'm you know I'm. Hoping Hopeful that we carry on playing that way and I think Parger is the sort of manager that he will play two wingers uh you know with a striker up top because it will always create uh, create chances.
0: Alright, Dan uh obviously got a draw against Newcastle yesterday, um which is more condemning of them than you. What did you see from that match?
1: Well just a, just a couple of points on a couple of other matters surrounding the club before I mentioned that game which it wasn't the the best of games to be honest, so we're not missing too much. Um, talk of new investors uh, coming to the club um, as our chairman Jeremy Peace wants to sell. Um, the club has effectively been up for sale for maybe around six years, um, but Peace has always been unwilling to to negotiate with people unless they want to, you know, to take it very seriously. And it looks like we might be getting to that point now with um, interest from from foreign um, potential owners. Of the club <clears throat> and hopefully uh, they're not going to be the type of owner that if they do come in that starts changing things around and and, and wanting things that the fans certainly aren't going to advocate but but you know we'll, we'll see how that goes there's a deadline set at the uh, the end of May I believe the deadlines around about then um, it's either we sell by that point and then the club can plan properly for next year or. Or we get to that point and we go past it and, and Peace will say, that's it for this season. Um, if, if you're interested, we'll have to look at it again next year, which I think is the right approach because we don't want to be going through the summer with an on-off um, takeover bid going, going through the news and, and it distracting the players. And it's certainly interfering with, with transfer business as well. So um, I think that's a positive, the, the fact that we've got plans in place um, should or shouldn't the takeover go through. Um, there's also some news that t- the season ticket prices at the club are going up. Uh, most season tickets are going up by 50 pounds, which is an average increase of around 14%. Now, to be fair, they've gone up to a level which which is still much better than most clubs in the Premier League. But you also have to take into account the fact that the the areas in the, the areas in in the West Midlands and and the surrounding areas of West Bromwich aren't exactly um looking for a right word well-to-do areas that you know the the current financial climate has hit people hard in in the west midlands um and i don't think it's something that you can compare on a club to club basis the the season ticket prices going up um has certainly drawn a lot of criticism from the fans um including myself because i didn't think there was a need for it the the club have, have said that they need the extra income um many people have, have worked out the income would be between maybe six hundred thousand and maybe a million pounds. Um the club are saying they need that money to keep up with the rest of the clubs in the Premier League. The argument is there that what is six hundred thousand or what is a million pounds to a, a Premier League football club that rakes in millions and millions through T V sponsorship. But you know, that debate would go on and on and of course so the fans that there are fans that are happy to pay the new prices and of course there will be, but I'm I'm sure there will be fans that think um regardless of the price the price the principle of the club putting the prices up may well um interfere with them wanting to get a season ticket next season um you know and, and hopefully attendances don't drop with with the likelihood that match ticket prices will be going up and and corporate spon- and corporate um watching the game in the boxes etc that that's going to go up too so um hopefully it doesn't affect our attendances too much um In terms of the game, uh, it was the first time we'd worn our red away kit under Tony Pulis, um, a man of superstition. We've played in our white home kit um, in every single game that Pulis has played um, as as being manager when there's been opportunity for us to wear our away kit. But we haven't. But of course, with Newcastle away, there wasn't really much choice. We, We donned our red away kit. Um, and I did tweet before before the game that Victor and each scored four Premier League goals against Newcastle before yesterday, yes. and uh yeah, it was the most he 'd scored against any Premier League club, and he made it he made it a fifth and i did I did sort of add a joke in there that um you know he might get a chance to score his fifth against them if he 's fit enough because his fitness levels have been atrocious um I was quite critical of him on the podcast maybe around a month back with him, you know, prancing around the field and limping off injured after not really putting a great deal of effort in. But he's performed in this game. He didn't put himself around a lot, but he he scored a good goal and he he had a a few decent, neat touches. Um, We we could have won the game, to be honest. We've hit the woodwork twice. Um, Newcastle have had their chances too. It was probably a, a, a fair result, the draw, um, Newcastle of course ending their run of eight straight league defeats and it had to come against the Albion didn't it that, that they ended that run but there's no complaints with a draw really especially the amount of pressure Newcastle runs to get a result in this one following the, um, the incidents that went on in their last game against Leicester so um, I'm I'm okay with a point we've got two very tough games coming up um, in Chelsea and Arsenal Um and the Chelsea game, it's um, it's rumored that, that Jose. Well, it's not even a rumor. I think Jose Mourinho has come out today and said he's going to a field an understrength team and play some of the um, the youth the youth academy players coming through at Chelsea. But that doesn't really mean that it's going to be a weak team. To be honest, you know they've got a lot of talent. So we'll go into that one hopefully looking to to pick up some more points and and take us well beyond the forty point mark, around forty one points now and, and for me that's that's a fantastic success. Pulis has come in and turned us around. Um anyone that denies that isn't really, you know, able to to have a an objective look at West Bromwich Albion and how we were playing before Tony Pulis came in. Um and I, I'm hoping that, you know, Pulis will stay and, and he'd be given the money and the chance and the opportunity to build something special here at the baggies because i think he's the man that can take the club forward whether that's going to be the case who knows especially with new investors who might come in and have their own fresh ideas so there is a lot that could happen to the club in the summer and and i think the baggies fans are all pretty much excited because it it could all be very positive for us going forward
0: yeah you raise an interesting point obviously one of the concerns um with him leaving Palace so quickly, was his transfer policy versus the club's. Do you foresee that being an issue? And if so, he kind of has a checkered past with the players he brings in. Are you concerned about that at all? Or do you think he might have a um,
1: minimalized role in that aspect? Uh, I think he, he might well learn from, from what happened at Palace. But I'd be lying if I said there wasn't a worry that something might happen in the backgrounds that he's not happy with in terms of the players that we're looking for. Whether the club will match other clubs' valuation for players is, is something, you know, it's all well and good saying that it, Pulis has got his targets, but will Albion be able to meet the valuations of these players? Um And that could also depend on, on who's who's going to be in charge at the club in terms of ownership, because if if we've got a new investor that comes in, he might well be willing to splash the cash, and Pulis will be chuffed with that. If you look at the, the amount of money he spent at Stoke, he you know, he's not afraid to... to to spend big money on players that, you know, are somewhat a risk, especially any 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 player that a club the size of West Bromwich Albion signs is going to be a risk. You know, we can't afford to go out there and sign. Well, we can, but it's not proven Premier League players. We can sign proven players, proven championship players, proven in other leagues in Europe. But it's it's rare that we get the opportunity to sign proven Premier League players. Um, and so it, it, it will always be a punt. And hopefully we do get it right in the summer. Um, I, I actually spoke with Jay about it a couple of months back. I, there is concern from me that that something might happen with Pulis in the summer because we we just we saw it happen last year with Crystal Palace. But hopefully, mm. um, hopefully that that isn't what happens. And, and I'd love to see Pulis build something. Like I say, something special at the club. I think. Can I just say something? There is that yeah.
2: Dan says a lot of what I was saying this time last year (laughs) I'm not saying Pulis will do it again but you know there's still still a bit of a bitterness around the club around I mean obviously we're doing it right now with Pardew in charge but you know two days before the season started I mean I, I do question whether he has the club's best interests at heart um, you know, a lot of lot of fans when he first joined Palace, um non-Palace fans said, Oh, you know, he's only gonna play one style when he's not a manager for you, this that and the other. But he did a job for us, which is fair enough, and he's done a job for West Brom. Um but the breakdown in communication or the ultim ultimately the end of the relationship with the club was around transfer dealings and um you know the way structure and Pulis was deemed to want to push that to a limit where the club wouldn't allow it to go Um, and I do wonder whether some managers are in a position where they can perhaps push that you know do they really have to club's best interests at heart to be able to say right well I want to break this uh, you know the way structure you already have in place it's going to be a risk but it's you know is it a risk worth taking I I sometimes don't think it is and you know Palace have a chequered history with finances and I think ultimately if he wanted to walk away at that point um, because of that then I think it's probably the right decision um, for us to allow him to do so but being just to see what happens with him in West Brom. Maybe he's found a home now after you know after leaving Stoke. Maybe um, he kind of fits with West Brom and, uh, and they let him do what he wants to do. But it it'd be, it'd be interesting to watch from from the outside.
0: All right, and Scott, what's the news out of Swansea?
3: Um, yeah, not too much. I mean, silly season starting in terms of transfer rumours. I think probably the same for for any any fan of any Premier League club. Being completely honest, um. Building up to tomorrow's match against Arsenal, really. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But other than that, um, Bafetimby Gomez has returned to training. Um, so that's good to see because he was really seeming like he was coming into some form uh, prior to the injury. And I mean, the game he got injured against Everton, he, he started well and he got injured with sort of whilst doing a, like, he, he had a really good effort a goal. And Tim Howard got down to save it, uh, pulled out for a really good save. But sadly, he pulled his hamstring. And and to me, like I always worry with hamstring injuries because any kind of hamstring injury at all, there's obviously something up there. And he's only been out for sort of two, three weeks. So I, I do always wonder about that, whether whether there's any point in risking him. I know we haven't really got another striker that's um, a first-team striker anyway that's that's match fit at the moment. We'd probably have to go with Marvin Emnez up top, um, if Gomez wasn't available to start, but the way Monk was speaking in the press conference, it makes me think Gomez is going to start against Arsenal. So, so that'll be good, and as as long as he's fit and as long as there's not um, uh, an overt risk there. Um, away from that, we've been linked with a couple of players: Alexandru Maxim and uh, off the top of my head, oh, and uh, Hotter, plays from Brentford.
0: Oh, from, from uh, Stuttgart.
3: Yeah, indeed, indeed, Ooh.
0: Romanian,
3: Romanian well, dude.
0: Yeah. Do you need more midfielders? <laughs> Don't aren't you kind of well?
3: Out there? He's 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 more of a sort of Sigurdsson player, isn't he? From yeah like, I did like a statistical comparison looking at um, Maxim Khata and, and like the Swansea midfielders who've been getting forward in attack this year. And I think what was evident from, from the stats, I think Khata play he's been playing out wide for Brentford, but I think he's a bit more like Jordi Gomez kind of thing from from what I've seen of him. Um, but but like I say, Maxim. Seems from his stats, he, per ninety minutes, very very impressive numbers. He's up there. He, he pretty much matches Sigurdsson, who's got, you know, if you extrapolate that to the amount of games that Sigurdsson's got, he's got six goals, ten assists in the Premier League this year. I think only Cesc Fabregas has more has more assists than I uh, uh, think than Sigurdsson this season. And yeah. To do that, it's a I,
0: significant I think, gap.
3: Yeah. So to do, yeah, it is. But um, but like Di Maria, you know, Sigurdsson sort of head of the rest with with Di Maria on ten, I think. Um, so, yeah, so Fabregas is out in front, but Chelsea are 10 points out in front of everybody in there. So, it's, it's kind of a statistical anomaly, I guess. But, yeah, so like if Maxim is matching those kind of numbers, I don't know too much about him. He looks good on videos, but I'd probably look good on a video. Everybody looks good on a video. You always get your best bits, don't you? So, um, yeah, so we'll see if that develops. Um, other than that, pff, n- nothing huge to write home about, really. Just sort of ticking over, waiting for the Arsenal game. Um, We're probably not going to break the record for clean sheets this season, which is a shame. We need another three to do it, and we've got Arsenal and Man City our next two games. So uh, judging by how Man City destroyed QPR today, they'll probably fancy it as well. Uh, But we'll see. We beat them at home before, Kept a clean sheet in that game as well, thinking about it. Um, So it's not impossible. We're on 12 clean sheets at the moment. Fabianski gave a nice interview uh, with the Guardian, just talking about you know he's moved to Swansea saying that one of the first things that happened he mo- he's, he's got um he's moved down to the Gower Peninsula which is like a beauty spot on the outskirts of Swansea very very pretty um and he's got a, he's got a house down there and he said one of the first things that happened was he was uh road blocked by cows in the road <laughs> <laughs> so so he said he took a photo took a bit of a video footage and sent it to his parents and he's like there's nothing you can do about it. You just got to wait for the cows. <laughs> and uh, but but he he seems to like it and, and he's happy here. And there's some crazy stats on Fabianski this season. I think he's got more catches than any other keeper, like yeah. 83, 83 catches. Um, he's only dropped the ball once, apparently according to Opta, and only David De Gea and Alan McGregor, the keepers who've played first team, um, mm. can say can say that as well. And it's not like he isn't punching as well. He's, he's I think he's he's up there. There's only a couple of keepers who punch more per game than him. Um, so there's only the amount he comes to the ball there's, there's, like Monk was saying the other day there's, there's going to be occasions where you don't get it there's going to be occasions where um, where it, it costs you but on the whole if you play like he does um, or he has over the course of this season well he has already this season won us a lot of points so he's been an absolutely astounding uh, acquisition for free and um, he's displaced Chesney mm. Shez, in the in the Polish national side so, so it shows how highly he's rated by them um yeah and just uh well, just looking forward to looking forward to the Arsenal game really to to be honest but like I say we'll go on to speak about that in a bit I'm sure.
0: Yeah so you you mentioned that it's kind of silly season and and kind of looking forward but cuz you you have a game in hand correct? Um well over yeah over the teams that played this weekend. Right. Oh oh right cuz you're just oh. playing tomorrow. Or are you
3: are you uh, worried that we're going to catch you, Kev? Is that what you're getting at here?
0: No, because can you <laughs> no, physically? No yeah, you could. You could yeah, if you don't get a point. Uh,
3: yeah, dude, we're, we could be...
0: Well, we'd
3: be asked We're within a point of view, aren't we?
0: Or yeah, in yeah, and then you end the season at Palace. Um, so no offense, Jay, but if you get a couple of results, if you get a draw and a win, mm-hmm. you'd pass Southampton and have to deal with Europa League again. So my question to you is... We've talked about it in a negative light before, but would you be excited or saddened to wake yeah, up and find look, listen, out you're in Europa League?
3: Listen, there's an undoubted negative effect. Anybody who argues otherwise just isn't looking at the isn't looking at the uh, the statistics and the data. Because look at the, just look at the teams who've been in the Europa League, like um, uh, Stoke ourselves, Everton this year. Like teams struggle juggling that that competition, and especially so teams that uh, that go into it in in the early stages of the competition. Like if you go into it through the financial fair play route, or or, or have to play a playoff or a qualifier for whatever reason. But at the same time, like Jay, Danny, you, you probably say the same thing as me. Like you don't get to play in Europe very often. It's not something that happens. Like we got oh. to play Valencia, and to the, to the day I die, I'm going to be gutted I didn't go. Beat Valencia three 0 at the Mustaya. You know, you don't get many of those days as a football fan, and we did yeah. it on merit. We didn't. We, we did it on merit. We didn't splash the cash and spend our way to 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 whatever. So, so I think that that makes it a little bit a little bit better and a little bit more um, meaningful as well. But what I'd say is that it very much depends on what manager you've got in charge, because if we had Michael Loudrup in charge now, I'd I, I'd be you know and and well. To be honest, that's probably an unfair thing to say because if he'd got us to this point where we were chasing Europa League via a league finish, um, he probably, I, uh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and I, I probably wouldn't be saying what I I'm, was what I'm saying now. But if you've got a manager in charge who, say the, say, the Swans got into the Europa League and Gary Monk went elsewhere, and the Swans brought somebody in who, who doesn't know the club, who doesn't know that in reality we are actually quite a small club punching above our weight, that manager could come in and think, right. We're in Europe. We're going to challenge, and I think that's possibly what happened with Loudrup to a point. Like we're we're going to kick on. We're going to compete, but that gap where you jump up to to be competing with the teams above you, there's no point aiming for that. Or like just enjoy the ride. And I, and I think what you've seen from Gary Monk is like a brutal pragmatism. Um, he's he's had to drop. I mean, he's dropped Leon Britton all season. Like if any other manager would have done that. The, the, the knives would have been out for him straight away, but instead, Leon Britton has been coming out and saying Jack Cork's amazing. It's like there's not many people who could have done that at, Swan, at the Swans, and I think I think Monk's realistic enough to know that if we blagged getting into the Europa League somehow, then I think we just put out kids. It just just prioritise the league, just put out a complete second team, and if you win, you win. Nice, cool buckets of money, you know. <laughs> but if you if you don't sort it, what's the worst that's gonna happen? But I think for a team like the Swans, I think it's or any team that it, who, who could suffer a downturn in form, which could see them getting t- tangled up in the relegation stuff. I think having somebody in charge who who knows undoubtedly that retaining your Premier League status is above all the be all and end all. There's no. Yeah, you might be in Europe. It's it's nice to compete, and if you've got the weekend off somehow because of a, a fixture normally, then yeah, play a, a, a full team on a Thursday. But if you've got a game on a Saturday or a game on the or like, well, the Sunday it would be. Yeah. Um, I just think where possible, just put out a second team and and, and just just blag it. <laughs> I don't know. That that, that be. That would, I was I was thinking about writing an article to this effect today because there's been a lot of people saying, oh, "Well, we don't want to get into Europe for this reason, that reason." But like I say, I think get. It. I think it's one of those things where it's It's a nice problem to have in that once you've got that problem you can decide what you're going to do about it you, like i say you don't have to put out a first team. you can just put out a team of kids if you went from the academy, but it's not it's, you don't get to make that decision until you're in europe so mm. um so yeah so like i say, like i say for bringing in players as well like I don't think we'd have got Wilfred Boney if we weren't in europe um yeah so yeah, so like in terms of like announcing yourself on the continent as well as a club. I think that is something that's perhaps underplayed as well in, um, in terms of a benefit of being in the Europa League, because it makes you uh, it makes fans of teams and and scouts and other teams from, from teams on the continent aware of your club as well. So um, I think that d- yeah, I, d- I don't think that's something that's uh, that's highlighted enough to be honest, because I think that is a definite benefit that you get from that.
0: All right, um, for Tottenham, we got beaten three 0 at the Britannia by Stoke. Not too very pleased with that. Uh, I'm going to start off with Vlad Kirakesh because he thinks he's the Romanian Pele. Um, And in two situations where he very easily could have just left well enough alone, he decided in one to grab a player by the shoulder and then sweep his feet. And then on the second one, dribbled himself into pressure up against the touchline and then gave the ball up and then just dragged the guy down. Now, that was a couple of... Terrible decisions on his part. Um, He made three bad decisions in the match. Two of them got him yellow cards, which add up to one red card. And so he got sent off pretty early. I think it was in the second half. Honestly, it was all just a a boring blur. Um, But a lot of people are kind of pointing to these Kirrakesh decisions. And first of all, cheering that he's probably out. Which I thought we were going to hang on to him, but this was...
3: plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: ...a performance that was bad enough that I don't think anyone would be mad about it. Because, you know, you'll, you'll have good players make mistakes and you're like, ah, oh, well, he should have known better. But these, I don't think a single person was surprised that he, he did this again. And in a defense that is already struggling, having players go out of their way to make terrible mistakes just can't be allowed. But, that having been said, a lot of fans are pointing to this as, oh, well, yeah, you know, we got a red card, we were playing with ten men, that explains the performance, which it doesn't. Because we played terribly from minute one, basically. And it never got better. And so the Kirikash red card has somehow become a a point of, oh, yeah, it's it's fine, if we didn't have the red card, we would have been fine. But we would not have been fine. Our closest chance was an Ericsson free kick that missed by probably five feet. Um... Harry Kane has struggled. We'll get to that in a second. Um, my point is, our defense has been terrible. Like like I've said a couple times, we're bottom five in goals conceded, um, which is really unacceptable. And in his post-match conference, I, I was kind of expecting him to kind of address these things. But it ended up just being filled with lots of blame for the players and very little accountability towards himself, which... I think has kind of spurred on, oh, I really didn't mean to do that, so apologies, um, has, has spurred on the potch out people, who you know, I've called morons throughout the year. I still think that they're wrong, but they are starting to make some upsettingly salient points about our defensive record, where we have a manager that was an international defender for Argentina for a long time, And the fact that our defense has yet to get better is surprising. Um, We have Hugo Lloris in net who saves us far more than we should. Like, we're in the bottom five with Hugo Lloris saving at least like two or three goals every time we're on the pitch, Um, which is a massive issue to have. And while I think he definitely deserves all the respect that he got at Southampton, we do need to start seeing something from that. Um, And... On the up opposite side of the pitch, we have shown a inability to adjust to teams that are willing to defend. Now, I'm not saying Stoke set up to defend the whole match, because they didn't. They they broke on the counter several times to, to get back at us, but they weren't going to come out attacking for minute one. Um, and we don't know how to break down teams that are willing, leave, willing to leave seven or eight players in their half to just defend everything, because uh, it's become, this is what I was about to talk about, Kane, is... Some people are already saying he's dropping off. More people are making the Me Too comparison. But the problem is that if you double Mark Kane, which has been what's happening, because he's playing as a lone striker trying to cut straight up the middle with two center backs, if he's trying to do that and you give one person to Shadow Erickson and just kind of ask us to beat you with other people, 80% of the time we won't. We'll have those matches where Chad Lee will have a nice cracking goal. Every once in a while, LaMela will create a decent chance. But if you mark Kane and Erickson out of the game, we're going to do very little against you. Um, And I think that that's been figured out. So I think it's going to be interesting in the summer to see how we address that. If we address it with personnel, if we address it with tactics. We saw Soldado come on uh, at about the hour mark, I want to say, with the thought being they'll score goals. But we aren't creating the opportunities for goals. So I don't really know if that's the solution. Um, but it'll definitely be interesting to see how we try to deal with that in the future. But it was a very disappointing uh, performance from the players, which I agree with Pochettino on. But I really would have liked it if he had kind of shouldered some of that blame himself. Because then it would at least kind of acknowledge it was a problem. Like ABB, for all of his sins, like we started conceding a lot of late goals. We had a 2-0 lead against Everton and it in the last 10 minutes. And that that weekend, he was like, that was my mistake. Now we're going to train... More fitness, we're going to practice set pieces, and that won't happen again. And then it didn't happen again. He was not very good with the media. He caused a lot of internal strife at the club, but he knew how to progress. And that's the thing we have yet to see from Pochettino, who is young, but we you know, we need to start seeing... We've seen positive signs, but we need to see real progress soon. Um, before, Because right now the fan base as a whole is looking at the Pochettino people still like, yeah, I don't know about all that. But if this continues to happen, we continue to have the same struggles, it, it will kind of escalate. And then Tottenham fans will blame Levy for getting rid of managers when the fans are always asking to get rid of managers themselves. So I hope that doesn't happen, but we will see going forward.
3: Um, just quickly, Kev, I'm getting, yeah. deja, vu, I'm getting deja vu here. Yeah. And I can't remember whether it's from the end of last season or earlier on this season. But as an honest question, like, you said, like I, I agree with you, I think Spurs do need to kick on. Um, and, and partly because when you're a club the size of Spurs, if a manager's performing well, you'd argue that you should be quite far ahead of a club like the Swans. Mm. Um, I know you've had Europa League stuff this year, this season, and it goes back to what, what I was just saying. But yeah. it's, do, do you know what I mean? I mean, like, how, as a Spurs fan, is it a bit galling that we are within, well, like I say, we're, well, if we win, we'll be within two points of view. Um, I'll, I know I'll say we're, we're this. We're probably not, probably not going to
0: win at Arsenal, let's be honest. Well, <laughs> we'd love it if you did. I'll say this. I, I think that the club size issue is a thing that we don't get to talk about. Um, for you, it's like building yourself up. For the size of our club, we're overachieving. And for the bigger clubs, they get to brag about how they're the biggest clubs in England. But Tottenham, as some movie quoted, are very much like purgatory in that... We're big ish, but we're never going to use size as an argument because we're not the biggest to to talk about how big we are. We're not the smallest to complain about how not big we are. So we're just kind of in this middle ground. So looking at it as I can't believe Swansea are going to catch us is kind of not the way we're looking at things, uh, much much like Southampton, who you know yeah, have yeah, yeah, yeah. some history. but it, it's not like a oh, we're disappointed just, that these clubs are around us. We're really more focused on how disappointing we've been. Well, that's what I mean really It's more in terms of budgets and stuff is more my point It's just, just mm. because just
3: because if we're able to to get 53 points with with the squad that we've got and, and with the rookie manager and and all this sort of stuff yeah. if, if you if you've got the means available to you that the Pochettino has um yeah. with the play with the play squad and the money that you had available, et cetera, et cetera it, like, like 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 I said, that's my question really. it's like that to me as a Spurs fan, i would be thinking, well, oh, if again, you're doing like point if, per if, dollar
0: spent. It, yeah,
3: well like, no, you know, as a that and a bit more. You know, there's mm. the, you've you've got a better play. You've got a better playing squad to start with. Um it is like I know what you mean. You're a bit in purgatory between the biggest clubs and and, and the other clubs, but Spurs are still a bit a much much bigger club than the Swans. So like mm. like I say, it's just to me, like if I was a Spurs fan, I'd be thinking, well, like, we should be a bit a bit
0: further clear, I know. Well, if if this was last year and that was the case, we'd probably be a lot more upset about it. But we came into this year knowing it would be a building year, and for yeah. two thirds of the season, it looked like we were building, and then we've really regressed over the past couple of months, which is why I think we're we're more upset about that because we we knew we weren't really going to contend. Now fans get their hopes up. Like I mentioned a few times in February, we could have kicked on. We were like three points off fourth, and you know could have done better there, but. The, the overarching thing was, this is going to be a struggle, this is going to be a grind to build back up to where <laughs> you know, a lot of people think we should be, which is top four. Um, so, yeah, but, but that's kind of to your point, we're disappointed in a year that we knew we were going to be disappointed in. Now, whether that's more of a comment on the fans and our, our inability to see the large picture or on... The club for not even delivering on our lowered expectations, I think, is interesting. But kind of like I was talking about with the Pulis point, it's going to be really interesting to see what Poch does in the transfer market because he still has the these aren't my players argument. So next year, we're taking off those kind of training wheels and we're going to see for real what, what we have in a manager there. Um, but until then, I, I think we, we're, we're just kind of focusing on ourselves and hoping that it'll get better in future. All right, and now we are going to move on to the topic. Uh, this weekend, we've seen both uh, Burnley and QPR officially relegated. But uh, this is a question for you guys and is is pertinent at the moment, and we have on some good guys to talk about it, which is with them going down, I, I, I don't have this perspective but I, I bet a lot of people would be interested to hear what what kind of is that like going down i know we've talked to you uh jay and dan before i don't know if scott was on that week but we talked to you about how this is last year when both of you guys were struggling was you know it wouldn't be the worst thing to go down and then see your side perform well every week and because and, you'd be kind of a bigger fish compared to some of the bigger teams um so what what is it like? What's that experience like? And how do you bounce back, kind of emotionally, and as a club, and and build towards promotion?
2: Well, it's horrible. <laughs> it really is. I mean, you're talking about a club when you get when you get relegated. You're you're watching a team struggle through the majority of a you know top Premier League season, aren't you? Um, and Frick. To kind of you know looking to you know, if you're looking at QPR and Burnley, I mean there have been clubs that have been relegated long before these two have. Um, Burnley have done it in a way which is the right way. Um, you know they've got financial constraints; they can only spend so much, and they're doing that in the right way. QPR is a little bit different, but that's for uh, for another day. But in answer to your question, it's it's a horrible, it's such a horrible feeling. I I, I mean we've experienced it so many times. It, obviously the Premier League um you know there was a top division before the Premier League started, but I was looking back at some stats uh in terms of how many times we've been relegated out of Premier League It's actually four times we've been relegated out of the Premier League since it was started we were one of the founder members was it ninety two it started i believe um and we were relegated that the end of that season um and it took us we went we came straight back up after that um but after that bouncing back straight away um the following time it took us two seasons to get back up, uh, the time after that six seasons and our current Premier League, um, um, yeah, being in Premier League now, it took us eight seasons to get back. So, over the years it's obviously taken longer to get back and I think that's a lot to do with the finances in the game now. I think it will, it, it, it will take longer for clubs to come back up, well actually no saying that. Probably not so much because the champ- championship has always been competitive. But with a new television deal this year or, or for next season, it's going to probably stretch that gap between the two divisions a bit more. So you're probably likely to see teams come up a little bit quicker if they do things the right way, of course, if they're not stupid when they go down. I think when we bounce back up straight away, I think we kept the nucleus of players that went down and got rid of some of the deadwood. Um, we kept the players that wanted to be around the club uh, a few additions, but I think it was effectively a similar kind of backbone on side that which which we went down with There's always going to be a transition when you go down, but it's such a horrible feeling. I can't remember what that I was meant to look it up for a um before I came on, but there was a season where uh I think we went down on forty six points um and that was the last time that they relegated four out of the Premier League, and that was tough to take because I think if I remember rightly um we looked to be safe at one point with three games to go um and there was one scenario where we could go down was with if a team two places below us i think it was Oldham uh had to win their last three games by a certain number of goals and they did that <laughs> um and that season it was i mean that was
3: 45 sold. i think jay I just looked it up
2: was it was it 45 yeah 45 I, so. I mean that's i mean that was i, I remember it vividly like, now it's soul destroying yeah that probably sounds about right because that was that was a following, yeah, because we went straight back up in ninety-three, ninety-four. Um, yeah, and and yeah, back down again. But yeah, it's just a horrible feeling. Um and it's it can have a, a massive effect on the club. If you look at a championship and how many teams are in it's funny enough, I did an article about it a few weeks ago on on the site and that looking at clubs that have been in the Premier League and look what they are now you know teams like Portsmouth is, is a great example um, Wimbledon another one obviously they've obviously changed guys since um, but you've you know looking at teams I was talking to Sheffield to, Wednesday, to,
1: Wednesday another one Jay
2: Sheffield Wednesday well the other ones I was looking at were Swindon Barnsley uh, obviously Blackpool that have gone down again Wigan it, it, you can count them on you know fingers and toes probably more that the amount of clubs that have actually I mean we're, I'm getting caught into the old Premier League um, conversation now, where you know there was no football before the Premier League. But when you're talking back to teams that used to be in the Premier League and and, and went up and, and survived the season and went again, it, it's interesting to look at how clubs have done since then. And you look at the Championship now; it's littered with clubs that were in the Premier League. You know, Bolton Wanderers. I mean, that's that's a team that were in the Premier League for quite a number of years, one after the other. I don't think there's. I mean, I, I think it's just about being sensible and not spending a huge amount of money chasing the dream, as so many teams have tried to do. You know, is it worth that one season in the Premier League? It's You know, it's, it's, it's a difficult one. I mean, some teams, I think Derby came up and went down with the lowest points total ever. Um, they didn't chase it to try and stay up. They were sensible, but perhaps, you know, probably a little too sensible. I don't know. Um, it, it's it's such a difficult thing for, well, fans, obviously, um, to, to witness. Um, but, you know, for people in and around the club, you know, it's a real, it's a real jaw dropper for a club to, you know, to fall out of Premier League. Which is, you know, as a as a football club, as a pla well, as a player, you'd want to be playing in a top division, don't you? But yeah, we we've been through it f- too many times, I think, um, and I've no doubt it'll probably happen again in the future. i have no doubt about it. I did say um, when we went up because the time we went up and beat Watford in the, in the playoff final, that was you can't plan these things. I don't think. You know, if you're planning promotion within two or three years out of the championship, I mean, a championship is so tight. It's ridiculously tight to play, you know, so competitive. But we, I mean, we were promoted out of the blue. We never expected to get promoted that season at all. You know, we had a we had a poor start to the season, and then we ended up uh, having a good run, being second, and then we lost our manager. Uh, Holloway came in, and we and we stumbled over the line to finish sixth in the playoffs. And, and to be fair, I don't think many Palestinians thought we would... You know, we would get through the playoff semi-finals against Brighton because Brighton were the team in form, um, and uh, yeah, we somehow managed to do it. And I think you know, when clubs say you know, oh, we plan planning to be in the Premier League in three or four years, I, I don't know, it, it's or uh, even Palace are saying you know, oh, we don't want to be promoted this year. Well, it's like, well, if it comes, then you can't turn it down, can you? It's you know, it's just one of those things. But back to your question, I mean, relegation is is a horrible feeling. It really is, um, and it can affect clubs in. You know, in more ways than one, really. As as I mentioned, so many clubs have carried on dropping, uh, and the latest example is uh, Wigan, and and obviously Blackpool.
1: I think I think for me, well, the the question which um, which which comes to me is that some of the Baggies fans, have, of course, we've been struggling ourselves this season, and we've managed to pull away. But um, before we before we managed to secure our safety. Um, There was talk that would it be such a bad thing if we got relegated, you know, there's more games to go to. You can go to a bunch of different grounds as an away fan. Um, There's less of a a big thing surrounding, you know, the the Premier League mentality of money, money, money. And There's there's fans out there which say they'd much rather see the club in the championship and I don't don't think that's true at all because you get in the championship and what are you doing? You're fighting to get back in the Premier League. So, Mm. of course you're better off in the Premier League and, and, and in terms of financial rewards you're, you're much better off in the Premier League um, and West Bromwich Albion of, of course if you want to talk to to anyone you know on the podcast I, I might be best placed I think to talk about relegation we've been relegated three times from the Premier League in the last what 13 years ish um, maybe last 12-13 years we've been relegated three times from the Premier League and promoted three times um, and it, you know we've we've done it the right way. We've never been a club that have gone out there and spent stupid amounts of money. Even still to this day, we don't do it. You know, there were massive massive shocks, and you know when we signed um, Iday in the summer for what was approaching ten million pounds. That's that's absolutely ridiculous money for ourselves and. I think the best thing is to do it the right way. Build a squad of players, a core squad of players that know each other and can get used to each other. For us, it was Morrison and and Brunt and Dorans, and we've built around that team. Even now in the Premier League, and you know, it, it can be said that despite the last two years of relative, you know, we haven't been successful in the last couple of seasons that we are a, a model of, of a club like any, any team in the Championship. We are the, the club to follow, really, in terms of building a club and, and staying in the league and doing things the right way. Um, and that's where I feel that Burnley are much better placed than QPR will be. To, to do well next season in the Championship because I can't see Burnley losing as many players as QPR will and I'm yeah. sure Burn, Burnley will have plans in place for, for getting relegated. They'll, they'll be able to cut the wages of the players. They'll be able to um to manage that better they've got a manager that's been in the Premier League and the championship now and I'm sure they'll stick with Deich. and he's got a yeah he, I think that a, was a
0: great choice so many people come up and get rid of their championship manager to try to get a premiership manager and like like you and Jay
1: both said they are they are very well set to to handle the championship next year absolutely and if if you look at qPR um relegation for them Means fur financial issues. The the amount of players that are on stupid money at that club is ridiculous. You cannot buy success, not even the best teams can buy success. Of course, if you play with the money in, but you also still need to have a, a, a core squad and players that fit well together. You cannot just build a dream team of players that are just going to go out there and perform every week. You know, it's been said many times at QPR. If you look at them man for man, they should not be anywhere near the relegation zone, really. But of course, as a squad, they are not good enough by a long stretch. They're not good enough, and I say, and I, I say that. And and you know, I just feel that it's, it's not, it's not the way to to build a successful, for successful football club. And Fernandez, being their chairman, I don't understand why he's gone down exactly the same route as as he did when they were last promoted. And that was a failure. They managed to stay up one season by the skin of their teeth, and went down the next season. And you know, I just feel that QPR—they—they have to sort things out, and they need to do something similar to what Burnley have done, and get a squad of players together. And if they were to get promoted, don't change that squad. And, and don't start signing players that you think are going to make an impact because they're a big name. You need to just stick with what you've got and, and hopefully those players will get you through. If you ask any of those Burnley players now that, that have played in the Premier League for a season whether do, whether they think they'd be able to stay up if they played another season, I'm sure they'd all give you the answer of yes and be confident about doing that. So I only wish Burnley all the best and I really do hope they can get themselves up again because they're a cracking club.
3: Um. There's two things I wanted to say, really. I mean, going going on to the QPR thing, firstly. I think, and Dan was just speaking about it there. Like you say, Dan, it's just testament to why football clubs shouldn't just be playthings for the rich. Because if you're Man City, yeah, Man Man City fans, they're loving life. Chelsea fans, they're loving life. Chelsea got really lucky, especially because they managed to do it before FFP came in. Not that FFP actually means anything, but... QPR are an example of why that shouldn't be allowed. You could argue that QPR may not even be in the position to be promoted, as I say, if you wanted to call them a yo-yo club at the moment, Um, you could argue that they wouldn't be in that position were it not for financial injection. But I'd argue that if you're not in that position, uh, if you remove the, the cash cow and the club falls apart, I don't think I fundamentally do not think any club should be in that position. I think that's a failure of the organisation of football to 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 allow this this fallacy to go on, where the Premier League is this promised land and and you can shoot for it. And it, like you say, Fernandez, the multi-millionaire, he's not going to lose any sleep five years down the line if he sells out with QPR um, and QPR have been demoted to the Conference. He's not going to care. He's he's just going to be off, and he'll buy another football club in another country because he's allowed to. But the QPR fans, the ones who've had no say in it, they're the ones who will suffer. And I think QPR this season, like you say, Dan, on paper, nowhere near relegation, that team. They should not be getting relegated. But that shows that you can't just throw money at a problem. If you've got endless money, like an absolute bottomless pit, then, yeah, it kind of starts working then. But if you're coming in and and you're going to take a club, uh, take a club from from scratch and and bring it up to this point, then you either need to be really lucky, perhaps, or have a very talented manager like Bournemouth with Eddie Howe. Um, that's probably kind of a marriage made in heaven because that Russian guy's pumping money in there and 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 he is a very good manager. So so that that's probably helped there. But, but like I say, I think it's a really big problem in football, and I think. As sad as it is, if QPR did get kicked out of the league, which is still being talked about, and and demoted to the conference, then then I think perhaps maybe some other clubs will start actually paying attention to to, to running clubs sustainably and um, and and not overspending and, and living within their means and investing in youth and and bringing their own players through and, and trying to grow in that way, which is the the right way clubs should do things really. Um but as as for relegation itself, uh, you guys uh you guys have been talking about relegation from the premiership. Like, boah. I, I got I saw for a start, we'll we'll frame this. Uh, the Swans got <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the Swans got promoted in nineteen ninety eight, ninety nine I think. Hang on. I'm just gonna consult the, the charter thing that I had open earlier. Uh off the top of my head, 99, 2000, tell a lie. We won the old third division before it was League Two. Uh, we scored fifty-one goals in forty-six games, <laughs> and we won. Uh, and we won the league. <laughs>
1: <Yay>. <laughs> That's
3: just. was well, just. Uh, it was so boring. We just won one nil every week. I think there was one. There, there was one run genuinely where I think we won one nil seven or eight times in a row. Um, our top scorer scored eleven goals that season, and we won the league. Uh, just, <laughs> just ultimate grind football. Conceded like twenty, twenty-nine, thirty goals. Um, but yeah, so we went up. And we went up off the back of kind of a, a solid, what would be now a League Two defence, and then we got up to League One, and it was, it was pretty evident from about like the third week that we were just going to get stuffed a lot and get relegated. Uh, and I think from memory, we scored about the same amount of goals, but just conceded, just conceded a lot more. <laughs> and uh, We just in the relegation zone all year, and we, then we got relegated back to, back to the bottom division. And then a couple of seasons later, it looked like we were going to get relegated out down to the conference, but we stayed up famously on the last day. Um, and, th- and thanks to the fact that we're in the Premier League and people like me go on about it all the time. <laughs> a lot of people know we stayed up on the last day against Hull. Um, but relegation sucks. Don't get me wrong. But what I will say is that avoiding relegation to the conference on that day, like Wales could win the World Cup and I would not feel what I felt that day. Like there was... There's no feeling like that, because the club would have gone bust if we'd have gone down to the conference. So it was all of the, the elation and everything that you get from winning, but just a genuine relief, because that could have been the end of the club. And while that might not be the case for most clubs going down from the Premier League, I think the fact that we got so many people around from that era, I think, like you were just saying with regards to the Premier League, then like if, if people do go down if you've experienced that be it from the premier league to the championship these are, these are the things that you need to learn from and 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 to 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 sack your manager or to, to change the the playing squad or to do whatever that that just strikes me as a as a weak cop out option it's so it's just just like a, a, a an elastoplast. Is that what you call them in America, Kev? Uh, <laughs> like a like you know just a like a mm-hmm. stick-on plug. It's just like a stick-on
1: uh, plug. But, it, but it's a whole point surrounding football. Everybody constantly wants a quick fix to everything. Exactly. And exactly. And it's and it's never gonna work like that. And that's why. I mean, this has got nothing to do with that. That's why, personally, I hope Pulis is a club for a long time and any club that has aspirations of doing anything, you know, need, needs to have a solid base and, and good foundations with with a team of players that know each other and then a, a good backing of the staff behind them um, that, that work well together. And, and nothing ever changes overnight. And sometimes you have to persist and give it time. And I'm sure that... You know, we we have got no idea what's going to happen with Burnley now, like you say. But but mm. I am sure that if they stick with Dyche, they stand a much, much better chance of being successful yeah. and becoming a Premier League club again. Yeah. Whereas if you look at the likes of Sheffield Wednesday, Coventry City, Blackpool, Wigan, even maybe Sheffield United and they're in League One. Um, Norwich City got relegated twice in a row. Wolves got relegated twice in a row. So much can go wrong if you're mm. just willing to just pull the trigger and think that everything can be fixed by injecting money and new players and thinking that, you know, it it'll, it'll all just come back to you without putting in the hard work. It has to be hard work first and foremost.
3: Yeah. To make to make to make a top gear analogy, it's like if you've got James May you kinda know, bumbling around knowing everything and doing everything the right way, but doing it quite slowly and methodically. And then you got Jeremy Clarkson barging in and go, No, 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 none of that. What well, it works. I don't care about that. Sod that. I wanna win. and am fast.
2: <laughs> yeah. Scott, Scott, you mentioned your last game of the season when you stayed up. Was it against Hull you mentioned in, in Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. we we have something, I mean a couple of divisions higher, but we were it was a season we had severe money troubles, got into administration and we went our last game of the season we had to get a draw at Sheffield Wednesday to stay in the championship. Um and the feeling of that is as big as anything we've experienced promotion wise as well. You know, just a feeling that day that Yeah. You know, yeah, we been, weren't I've gonna been, drop I've into to Wembley
3: twice since then and like yeah. for the playoff final where we won and for the Capital yeah. One Cup where we won. But so it was just you know, a,
2: it was just a feeling for us that that, that summer was gonna be critical for us money wise, that we were gonna go. You know, it, we we got into administration. The finances were going to be, you know, resolved one way or the other, whether it meant we were going to go out of business or whether it meant we were going to, um, you know, survive. Which luckily was the case. But we still had to go uh, and play football. I think we had a ten point deduction, and we had to go to Sheffield Wednesday and get at least a point, um, and and getting a draw, two two draw at that game actually, and it actually sent them down. They had to win to to. Uh, that game in itself, I still remember. It was about five years ago. It's just past the anniversary of that game five years ago, um, and I yeah, I can, you know, the feelings of that are, are, are probably more than you know, on, on, on a par with the uh, the promotions that we've seen as well. It's just an amazing feeling.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, we are just about out of time. Uh, we were going to try to do a quick preview for Scott versus Arsenal. Are you going to win? Three, three one. Ah, there you have it. All right. Well, with that, we are officially out of time. So if you have any <laughs> projects you'd like to plug or tell people where to reach you now, would be a good time.
2: Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. As ever, I'm Jay. I'm of the editor of theeaglesbeak.com. Um, I've played in the charity football match today. Um, I'm aching a little bit and uh, got a few knocks and scrazes, but it was a fantastic event by uh, one of the palace photographers, actually, um, for uh, a prostate cancer center. So, um if anybody feels like sending a donation our way, give us a shout on Twitter and uh, and and we'll happily give you the link. But it's been a great day, raised over well over a thousand pounds, and it was a match between two, you know, local sides, and a, you know I I was a uh, uh, you know invited to take play take part, and it was uh, you know a really good thing to be involved with. So um, just a shout out to Michael Hull, a photographer for organising it. It's uh, he done a, a great job. Names on shirts, everything. It was proper, the real deal coming out to Champions League music so it's a fantastic day so uh, so just a shout out to the guys that, uh, that organise that and uh, you can catch us on
1: Twitter at The Eagles Week so thanks for listening Yeah cheers for having me on as always um, I've been Dan from West Brom um, fansite baggiesfacts.com I, th- I almost forgot what I was uh, what the whole <laughs> oh, <laughs> the whole idea of me being here was then um, yeah throughout the week we'll be looking towards um, towards our Monday night fixture against Chelsea which is next week um, I'm sure we'll have plenty of build-up to that. Um, and, yeah, that, that's about it f- for us, guys. Um, you can check us out on Twitter. Um, plenty of stats and facts on the Baggies, as always. Um, and that's uh, at BaggiesFacts on Twitter. Cheers.
3: Yeah, cheers for listening. I'm Scott from The Swansea Way. Uh, check out the website, UK. Follow us on Twitter at Way or facebook.com slash Um Plus, there's, yeah, there's probably some other social media stuff going on. So, yeah cheers for listening
0: alright thanks so much for joining us guys uh, if you would like to find my stuff I, I write over on Eagle's Beak and should have something coming out over there this week uh, still have fantasy rankings going on over at playtaga.com if you'd like to reach me on twitter I'm at kevroff and if you'd like to reach the podcast as always you can either tweet us at EPL Roundtable or email us at EPL Roundtable at gmail.com alright thanks so much for joining us guys it's been a pleasure as always we hope you keep listening